Hey, welcome to the Junto Show. I'm Lance, and I'm woke with jokes. Hey, I'm Johnny, founder of the Venture Out. It's the best way to uh, start your day with some uh, positivity and positivity. And I'm both. If the sun were made of hamsters, the earth would be incinerated. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Just end the episode. It we're, done. In- we're done. We're <laughs> done. <Being festive. laughs> That's a, a Jack Handy. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Schumacher. Oh, okay. Joel. Yeah. All right, so uh, hey everybody, welcome to the Junto Show. It's uh, good to hear you from everybody. Hey, so what's uh, so what's going on with you guys? <laughs> life, well, life is uh, grand. Hey, there you go, fantastic, like a biscuit. Yep. And Johnny, uh, you got uh, the trip I've been talking about. I got the hiking trip coming up next week. You're fourteen or this week actually. No, yeah, I'm actually flying out very soon actually for that. Um, the 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 tricky part is um, packing for two trips in a row. So with the same bag or, or no? Uh, it's a different bag, but it's the clothing and just like I'm afraid I don't have enough time between the two, mm-hmm. between the trip, you know, to really properly think it out. So I'm trying to think it out all right now. Yeah, man. Well, good luck. Is this so. uh, I don't know. That's hardcore. You're going from one hardcore thing to a uh, hardcore-ish thing. Of course, yeah. I guess maybe the weather's different, so you can kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. not too much overlapping in yeah. the deals. Well, we're trying to rough it out. No shower for three, four days, Ugh. and then, <laughs> then coming back to that, you know, take some baby wipes. It's um. As always, hiking, the goal is not to be the last one on the mountain. The goal is to come back. That's the goal. <laughs> Maybe that's not as much of a risk for, for you as for me getting one into the woods, but yeah. it's not guaranteed that I'm going to keep all my toes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you guys would get a good laugh out of this. So this is the type of trip where you have to bring a wag bag. Ah, yes, the old uh, wag bag. Mm. What is a wag bag, Johnny? Oh, a wag bag is where you poop into. Ah, okay. Yeah. How big is the opening on the old wag bag? Like, what's it's, the precision you got to have on this thing? It's like uh, as big as like a uh, grocery bag. Oh, okay. I think I can manage that. Yeah, it, it, it surprisingly opens up pretty large. It's kind of nice. Yeah, can you wear it as like a diaper? That's what I like. <laughs> yeah, you got to get pretty close to it sometimes. Okay. okay but the, but the tricky part is you got to wrap it back up. Ah, uh, don't know, man. Yep. You take some gloves? No mountain chili. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm shutting this down. I'm shutting this down. It's not true. All right, so, so an interesting thing happened to me uh, at, at work today. I, um, I ran into a... Uh, a person I know or a friend or like a name. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, I ran into a friend, but it's a person I haven't seen in a while. So I, when I saw them, like their face lit up when they saw me like, oh, hey, somebody I haven't seen in a while. And then like I saw them too. And I'm like, hey. And then then I saw their face contort because they remembered that we're not on speaking terms <gasps> right now. Yeah. What's the beef about? Uh, Me and a family member of this person fell out over a misunderstanding related to the election. Of Donald mm, Trump. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yes. And so, like, um, which is, so, like, I am friends with a very close friend of theirs. And then, so, like, when I saw this third, this third person who I know through this other person, who I assume my friend who I fell out with, then told the person I saw today that I'm a bad person because I don't talk to them because of the election, which isn't what happened. But that's the story that will be related to them. And so it was kind of like, I was like, man, you know. So what happened? Well, that I did, might I, be the story. That's the story that you think is going to happen. I guarantee that's what happened. Yeah. Especially based on how this person who, the last time I saw this person, we yeah. were on good good, happy terms. And yeah. then when I see them, yeah. now they don't talk to me for real. Well, that, that person you saw today mm-hmm. should have thought to himself, you know what? There's probably good people on both sides. <laughs> you know? Right. right. Uh, worse than Nazis, apparently. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. I just, I just it kind of sucks. But um, I, I said hi. I waved. To the person, you know, and then that one second where they re- didn't remember that we weren't cool, they were happy to see me and saw my wave. So I think that I'm on the right side of of this thing. If they want to speak to me, I would gladly have a conversation. Yeah, but that it's doesn't seem to be where it's life. going. 
It's a good way to go through life, yeah. I'd say. I think that it's kind of a weird situation where those things kind of happen because you because it's almost like, you know, I valued your friendship and and then it and I guess it kind of dissipated, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, you know, I kind of wish we could get it back or whatever, but yep. if life moves on, you know, yeah, so, I mean, that's how we're that's how you're treating me. So I'll I'm not going to stop, but you know, I'll give you the wave, yeah. give you the opening. If you don't want to take the opening, I'll keep it moving. Yeah, yeah. I I got a little bit of a similar story. Happened a while ago, but uh, I used to have a uh, a uh, house I rented out, and the tenant, um, they didn't leave on good terms with me, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I had to kind of kick them out a little bit, argue back and forth a little bit for wh- whatever reason, right? Years go by, and I get in line at uh, Chipotle. <laughs> right, it's a long line, too, yeah. right? So I get in line, the person in front of me, I recognize the person, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, obviously, like, you know, natural, hey, how's it going? Yeah. And then it clicked into me, it's like, Oh, you're the uh, <laughs> person I should not be liking right here. Oh, it's too late. Uh, wait. So I mean, because I, th- I think I think that's good though. I think that worked yes, out in was. your favor because from your perspective, yes. since you put them out, even though if it was justified, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure it was justified. I think yeah. you as the putter outer should be the friendlier person, and then well, let, let them do what they do. So because we we ended up talking for a while, mm-hmm. so because we yeah. had a long line to go through, so. But yeah, after I realized, like, oh, this is going to be awkward, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But see, but because you approached it with the positive energy, which yeah. is what I'm trying to do, then yep. it worked outish. Yeah. There you go. Well, hopefully they weren't like, you know, well, you know, the car is really comfortable at night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sleep in the burrito uh, foil. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, positive energy to all of your enemies. There you go. Pro- <laughs> profound thought. Let's just end the episode. All right. So uh, thanks for listening to the Junto Show, the Junto is a club Benjamin Franklin founded way back when America was great. The purpose of the Junto was to debate questions of morals, politics, and natural philosophy. Our show is not quite that stuffy, but here and there we stumble upon something profound between the geeky jokes. All right, so uh, let's gonna go ahead and get things started with our first segment here. Hot Take News. Good evening. I'm Ron Burgundy, and this is what's happening in your world tonight. All right, so the first thing that we've got in the Hot Take News here, guys, is that... um. The Amazon is on fire. But uh, don't worry. Your package will still be on time. Uh, it's not that Amazon. You just won't have any oxygen to breathe. <laughs> so have you guys been following this much at all? Not as closely as it probably should. Yeah. Um, it's like a pretty... So I'm trying to calibrate how big of a deal this is. Like I feel like it's a big deal, but not like a thing that we can do anything about. But we should really be aware of it. Yeah, it's, like, I think it's one of these things where if you if you read the statistics on it, you're like... Wow, that's that's quite a bit. So, um, the I, f- I forget uh, they said that up until now the amount of Amazon rainforest has been lost is larger than the uh, country of Germany. Oof, yeah, yeah. And I think w- well, the, the like the the Amazon rainforest is huge. tremendous. It, yeah. it covers eight different countries in South America, and I don't know, like a. Twenty, well, I forget the percentage, but like a lot of it is on fire. Yeah, and I want to say it's like multiple Texases or something. Ooh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Texas is big. Oh, like the Amazon itself. Yeah, uh, that, that that might be pushing it. <laughs> Texas itself is. I think the Amazon's really huge. Yeah, but South America's not. It can't be more than three Texases put together. I think Brazil is almost as big as the United States. Yeah, but the United States is only like two and a half Texases, excluding um no, I Alaska. Think, I think the United States is at least four or five Texases. Johnny, I'm looking. You googling how many Texas is in the United States? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And so they're saying that the uh, the rainforest is like t- provides twenty percent of the world's oxygen, 
And then there's all kind of like issues where the carbon that's stored in the trees, when that carbon burns, it goes into the atmosphere and then creates a big um, greenhouse gas scenario. It's like no bueno. So it's not not good. Not so good. while we're at it, some fun facts about the Amazon rainforest, I guess. Super fun topic. Fun. Super fun. Uh, the rainforest is moist. Okay, next. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> Are you on like the Discovery Kids? <laughs> yep. Moist. Well, the, if the rainforest was a country, what rank would it be size-wise? Mm. Uh, seven. Four. <sighs> yeah, that's a horrible ninth. Uh, uh, <laughs> that seven and nine I think is pretty good. It uh, borders up to nine nations. And by name all nine? I'm just kidding. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Name two. Can, can, you name, can you name nine countries in South America? I could do that. Okay. See if you can. Now? Go yeah. Alternate. Okay. Bolivia. Uruguay. Brazil. Paraguay. Chile. Damn. Argentina. <laughs> Colombia. Uh, did you say Belize? No. Okay. Not Belize. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't say Belize. You could say Belize. Belize? Venezuela. Dang it. That was the other one I was going to say. <laughs> um. Costa Rica. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, hey, I won. Hey. Yeah. hey there we go. All right. Here we go. Um, uh, one or two more last things. Rainforest is home to 10% of the known species in the world. 10%. A, a topic that, uh, to bring it back around to another topic mm-hmm. that we've talked about on the Junto Show, we are in the midst of a mass extinction of life on this planet, and 10% of the species being in the rainforest, and I don't even think like the previous study I was reading about a mass extinction included the rainforest burning down. So this is going to super accelerate the issue. Based off the one book I'm reading, Sapiens, mm-hmm. yeah, in the grand context of the human species, uh, Homo sapiens species, whatever uh, species are dying off right now because of us, what the man and, man and humankind is doing, it's actually not even comparable to the past, what we've done in the past. We've Humans? In our, humans in our history have wiped out so many species as we yeah. spread across the world. Well, megafauna. Nah, I don't believe that. Megafauna. Yeah. No, we, humans haven't even killed megafauna. I mean, like, we... No, yeah, we've killed, like, oh, all yeah, the we've killed all kinds all of... Not, them, not yeah. millions of species. We we didn't have the scale to do so at previous no, times. But all the megafauna. We've killed all the megafauna. What are megafauna? Like, giant, giant stuff. sloths. Like, sloths Mammoth. and diamond armadillos. Armadillos as big as Volkswagen beetles. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure we probably killed off, like, hundreds of species of sloth and armadillo. We're killing off millions of species a day now. I don't know. Well, I mean, again, we I don't, ha- we I don't have, have all the facts, but this dude I trust have done his research, and he's saying, considering the whole span of human civilization, what we're doing now to the planet, only in context of the species that we are directly wiping out, it's not like unprecedented. It, it's, it's it's a lot, but it's not unprecedented. Through what mechanism did early man knock out millions of species? Because in doing so, I think we knock out the whole chain of species. Once you knock out one top thing, it knocks out all the ones below it, too. Yeah. So it's like crumbling of a pyramid. Yeah, but the thing is that we're still doing that, but we're just doing it with way more people and way more technology and way more chemicals. So I just, I just, I mean, if it's in the book like that, then, yeah. and I like that book and I trust that guy, that's one thing. But it, it's counterintuitive to say that the smaller population that held less land in the, in, the, in the world with less technology and less chemicals did less damage than we're doing now when we're doing more worse stuff with better so, equipment. Something to keep in mind, though, like in Australia is a good example of this. When uh, humans started spraying to Australia, Australia for millions of years had not even seen a human. So their uh, life cycle chain didn't even include humans at all. So the disruption that the humans caused was gigantic mm-hmm. to the whole ecosystem there. You know, So by introducing the human tribe and killing one or two animals, it just decimated the whole thing. 
Yeah, I'm so. sure. We're, there's very few places where humans came up and it made it better, but I don't know. It's interesting. So, yeah, so like. I'm sure we do better once again in space. No, we're just going <laughs> to ruin space the same way we turn the moon into a dump. Hence all the trash in space. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, there's a tipping point at which if enough of the rainforest burns, then it like loses its ability to resustain itself, and then it goes from being a rainforest into a savanna. And like I think the I saw a report that said that that tipping point could be as low as 20% of the rainforest being burned into where it, it, it becomes irreversible, and so far 17% has burned. So they're saying that like within five years we could reach that point and then, I don't know, bad news bears for the world. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. Good luck to the Brazilian people fighting that fire over in the – and I guess the Bolivian and other eight countries, nine countries, eight countries <laughs> where the <laughs> rainforest is and putting that fire out. Okay. Uh, next topic. Uh, George orders Johnson & Johnson to pay $572 million in restitution for its role in the Oklahoma opioid epidemic. Okay. I thought you said George orders. No, ju- <laughs> the judge's name may be George. Okay. Judge George. Judge George. <laughs> it's like a new TV show where it's yep. like caveman judge. <laughs> well, I say good. What did they do wrong? So, so yes, it's a good point, right? So when I saw the headline, I was like, well, is it one of those things where, because um, like the gun manufacturers can't be held responsible for the killing when somebody goes, buys their gun and shoots people. And so, and I think that's a good rule, actually, despite my liberal bona fides i don't think that we should be punishing the, the manufacturers for things people do with the stuff same logic i didn't i don't think that um the drug company should get in trouble for people overdosing on its drugs per se but the judge so the particular law in oklahoma that uh, johnson and johnson found itself on the wrong side of is what's called a public nuisance law and uh the judge cited one of the elements of the law that they violated was a marketing part of it so basically they marketed their drugs as they didn't in their marketing let it be known that how addictive and strong the opioids were which they quote unquote led to them mm-hmm. being overused mm-hmm. overprescribed or whatever and led to upwards of 6,000 deaths in Oklahoma mm. yeah well that's so, worse than a public nuisance <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean I see raccoons in the trash and I go well Six thousand people died. You know, <laughs> I mean, from rabies. Uh, I don't think six thousand people died from rabies. Maybe over the course of human history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the Oklahoma actually was trying to get like seventeen billion dollars, and then the judge gave him five hundred million. And so this is just the first of many, many lawsuits that are going on around the nation. The first one to be settled, and I think there's also a federal lawsuit that is combining a lot of different jurisdictions into mm-hmm. um i don't even know who they're suing some either all the drug companies or one big drug company but there's a federal suit too that's yep. it's bubbling up and i think they're the they're appealing the decision in oklahoma so. yeah they, yeah yeah from what i gathered too it seemed like a thing that they were going to appeal because yeah and so like i have nobody's really talked about it in a little while but the opioid crisis is still going on and it's still a huge bad thing in the country that's kind of just like in the background now so wait so you don't think that it's the drug company's responsibility at all? I am okay with them losing this lawsuit. Generally speaking, <laughs> all right. generally speaking, I don't think that like uh, the, the company should be punished for what the person does with their product. I don't even think that like um, bars that overserve people and then that person like goes and uh, hits somebody with their car or whatever, I don't think that's the bar's fault. And I've heard you can get in trouble for that. I yeah, yeah, I'm against that. Okay, so I do think that's the bar's fault. What do you think, Johnny? I think it falls into the category of common sense. If I see a 
bar or a gun or whatever, you know, I inherently know this is dangerous and I can do some serious harm with this thing. If I see a pill, do I know how addictive that is? I, I don't know. It, do I know how, what it would do to me if I take a lot of these things sustained? I, I don't know because there's other pills like Advil and there's other little things like gum, Tic Tacs, you know, it's hard for me to know intuitively <laughs> what this thing would do to me. Okay. So therefore, there's a level of responsibility, I think, on the provide on the manufacturer to properly uh, educate uh, people who are consuming or uh, using this thing. Uh, mm, I don't so know. I think there's a responsibility. There. I don't know if I'm with you on that one. Because like yeah. I'm sure the the box says could be addictive or something like that. Like I don't know where the line where the line. Well, it, it falls in the category of like cigarettes almost, where it's gotten to a point where you've got to um, you know, make it so completely obvious that this thing will kill you. If it uh, if you don't be careful with it and it's highly addictive, you know, it's, it's just because the risk is so high to society, the warning label and the education behind it has to be just as comparable. Yeah, but I don't even think the problem was like somebody mistaking the label on the pills. I think that like they were being super duper overprescribed. Like have, I've seen these studies or these reports where little towns of like a thousand people got like a million pills brought into the town or something like that because the doctors were getting paid by the pill Mm -hmm. and then they were like getting kickbacks from the companies. And I think John Oliver did like a, uh, a whole thing about this company that was like just trying to flood pills. That's even more horrible for the company perspective. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So that alone should be worth the $500 million. But that's not mislabeling though. Is the thing that's not like, I think that's, that's worse than a public nuisance. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, That's what's the word for that? Like, a pariah or like a social pariah that you're saying? yeah something like that like they're, they're literally preying on the communities now by predatory it's predatory, predatory. there yeah. you go yeah. there you yeah. go predatory yeah they're predators but like with less cool heat vision yep <laughs> <laughs> alright let me see uh, let's see next next topic I'm pretty sure they still have dreadlocks <laughs> no I, I guarantee none of those CEOs have dreadlocks <laughs> <laughs> maybe like one of the guys dealing pills <laughs> in, in, in your dorm <laughs> on college alright um Nah, I won't talk about that. Come on. <laughs> okay, so I, I'll just throw it out here. I'm too classy to comment on how the Popeye's chicken sandwich is clearly more delicious and problematic than Chick-fil-A. You're not going to catch me on audio talking about chicken in this podcast medium. because That's I'm, true, because you've been texting me about it all the time. <laughs> I'm too I don't even know what this thing is about. I was like, okay, so I'm just I'm super curious. Have you guys even heard the rumblings about the chicken sandwich wars? Or through you. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked about it that well, much. <laughs> I've, I've seen the memes and some of that, but I don't think I've been to a fast food place in... A year or something. So, so Clearly, I'll, Bo, looking at you, Bo, I know you haven't been to a fast food place. You've been to cookie joints. Bo, explain to me what is going on <laughs> with with this whole topic. I'm just curious. Like, what do you think is happening? Uh, I don't know. The only thing I saw was like a meme of like, it was a Chick-fil-A workers whenever they heard a new Popeye's chicken sandwich was coming out. And it was a guy that was working at Chick-fil-A and jumped out the drive-thru and ran off or something. <laughs> so. Okay. So, Johnny, what do you think is happening? No, don't look it up. I'm curious. No, what have you seen? What do you think is happening? And all I know is that this sandwich is so amazing. Everybody's like running to it, flocking to it. You got to buy stock in it. I don't know what they're doing with the chicken sandwich, but I hear it's amazing. It's almost enough for me to go try this fast food thing. Have you ever had Popeye's in your life, Johnny? I'm sure I have at some yeah. point. I've had Popeye's. I've I, had, uh, yeah. I don't remember when. It's probably been at least five years, probably. Okay, so the official thing that's happening is that uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich or chicken restaurant or whatever came out with a new chicken sandwich that is all the rave on the internet. Wait, so, what's so good about it? Is there uh, I wouldn't know personally because I don't uh, 
eat fried chicken? Is it yeah. is it like <laughs> spicy? Because I remember when they came with like the honey butter biscuits like back in the day, and and I thought that was like game changer. So again, I don't know this from any personal experience because okay. I am too classy and uh, non ghetto for this. Okay. But they have a regular and a spicy sandwich, and at, at uh, two different price points. And uh, <laughs> what's quote unquote good about it is that there's a the br- the bread is soft and buttery, and um, it it has a sauce on it. And that and that's makes it more moist than the than the Chick fil A sandwich. Okay. So moist chicken sandwiches. <laughs> well, versus like the if you eat one of those bit chicken biscuits in the morning, <laughs> your mouth's all dry. Oh. Y'all I so I get that and I put honey on it and I eat that. Oh, there you yeah. go. Because you need to put something on it because yep. it's too dry. Alright, all right, so that was go. that's neither here nor there. I was just curious what you guys heard about that. It's good. <laughs> Alright, so uh and then last topic here. The potential first crime in space. What? Have you guys heard about this? I did. Oh, yeah. Uh, tell us about this. <laughs> I, I only saw, only read the headline, and I was like, what? Okay, so uh, a while back on a previous Junto show, we talked about space pirates, but now we have the first actual reports of an official crime being committed in space, or possibly committed in space. Alleged. Alleged. So from what I gather, the accusation is that there was a, I believe, a female astronaut on the space station, uh... Get, uh, illegally authorized, like I think her husband's or ex husband's bank account, something like that. Was, did you see the official story, Johnny? No, it's something to that effect, though. So, like at first, I heard the story. I'm like, so she impersonated her husband or whoever online account. Apparently, she had maybe the user ID and the password, so she logged in, did some financial stuff. I was like, oh, who doesn't do that? Who doesn't <laughs> you know, that. allow other people to access their account to do things? But Are you being serious? Yeah, just a little bit, yes. No, I don't let so, anybody into my in my bank account. The hell is it? When you were married, did you 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 actually had one lo- one? Okay, so you one had one login. Okay, but did she have access to your personal bank account? If she wanted it, she could have had it. She she would just have to ask, "Hey, John, what's your password?" Okay, here you go. Mm. Did she have your email password? Uh, my our users don't need to know that I use the <laughs> same password for everything. Okay, <laughs> ask me for my password unlocks every account I have. Uh, assuming right. they were separate, would you have given her your email password? Assuming they were separate <laughs> passwords or different passwords, would you have given her your yeah. email password? Yeah, 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 I just had a conversation today. It's going to sound better. <laughs> right. You're among friends. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, um, in my business dealings, right, there's a, a person who uh, initiates the transaction and I have to approve the transaction. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be the, you know, log in and do this thing. I'm just giving you my password or my email. <laughs> So every time you initiate the the uh, transaction, go ahead and log in as me and go ahead and approve the transaction too, because I assume it's good to go. Who'd you give this to? Yeah, you know, like a business. Uh, oh, your your business manager. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. your accountant. That's yeah. fine. Well, you know what? That is how every rapper and NBA player and NFL <laughs> player gets screwed over. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, keep an eye on it. That's yeah. a, that's how many MC Hammer. <laughs> so the the report is that um, I don't want to say it, astronaut Anne McLean. Improperly accessed the allegedly bank, allegedly correct, allegedly improperly accessed the bank account of her estranged spouse Summer Ward. Oh, this is some kind of a yeah, she's gay. Lady on lady action here. Yeah, she's gay. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so when you said husband, and then because yeah. I remember reading the the <laughs> yeah. the headline, I was like, okay, maybe I misread it, but no, it was because no, it was a wife. It that was, was me so. being um uh, heteronormative. Uh, so shame on me. Uh, good liberal snowflake. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so actually, she admits to doing it. She just said that she didn't do it for any bad reason. So. Allegedly, right, right. Well, no, she admits to accessing the account, but denied any ulterior motive. So, I don't know what the rules are with that. Like, she confessed. <laughs> Allegedly. 
Yes, allegedly. She I mean, allegedly yeah. confessed. <laughs> well, she... <laughs> you throw out the word allegedly. <laughs> See how far I can take this thing. I don't know. So, so good luck with that. So yeah, the official first crime in space, even though I'm sure there's been like, yeah. I don't know, other crimes in space. Or, you know, there's no laws though. So yeah, it would probably be the first crime in space because she accessed a thing on Earth. So there's no jurisdiction in space. Is that how that works? It's like uh, international waters. You have to get waters. space judge. <laughs> and then you have to get uh, space jury. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So and then uh, in good news, Newark, New Jersey is getting $120 million to fix its lead pipes from the Essex County Improvement Authority. <laughs> Why is that so hard to say? You say Essex County. Essex County. Essex County. Well, that's just sounded dirty, bro. Well, I was going to say Essex County, and then I was like, no, it's not Essex County. Until you said Essex County. The city's boat, Essex County. Okay, so yeah, the city has already fixed 770 of the 18,000 privately owned lead service lines that feed the city. That's news to me. I didn't realize that the pipes were owned by private companies. I thought they were like city things. Well, there's probably... So I'm guessing that utilities Water are, utility company. Yeah, so utilities are, are monopolies, essentially. Like, you know, if you were like FPL and... Uh, was it the... The other utility companies, Florida Power, yeah, Florida Power and Light and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So oh, what right. they do is yeah. the the government <laughs> says you you have the ability uh, to have run a monopoly in this area, mm-hmm. this jurisdiction, and it's probably the same with that water. Company. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah. I don't know, I, I still they're free everyone. The I'm more like, it too. Like they use lead, lead pipes. Is that from like the 1830s or something? Well, that's probably when all the stuff was run. But like, uh, it's not a problem until well, I only know from Flint that the Flint had lead pipes too. But it wasn't a problem until they changed the water source and then the water, the new water wasn't treated. And then that ate away at like this coating that built up over time. And then that exposed the water to the lead pipes and then it leached into the water and that became the whole problem. But the lead problem is a problem all over the place. So so good luck. to I mean, kudos to New Jersey for getting some funding to get theirs fixed. It said it'll um, speed up the replacement from 10 years to three. So that's good. And then also when I was researching this, I was like, well, what's going on with Flint? You know, I'm from Flint. And then um, they said that uh, Flint's pipes are expected to be finished being fixed by the end of 2019. And I didn't even realize they were fixing them yet. Hey. So. so, yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, assuming you trust those people. <laughs> I think so, they do a lot of those. Uh, uh, come, they go back to Flint and then they're like, do you would you drink the water? And most people are like, no, nah, we, we still use bottled water for everything. I mean, if you can get it, like it's a whole yeah. it's a whole problem. All right, but uh, so all right, so this is Newark, New Jersey, right? Yeah. What do you think the racial composition of Newark is? The racial composition? Yeah, oh, racial, racial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How many people there are named Rachel? That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Like ratio, like two or one. Um, I would say that Newark is a. Um, just just give me the number, the percentage black, the percentage white. It's all I care about. It's all the only thing that matters in this world. Sixty percent black, forty percent white. Bo? Okay, so Newark. Okay, so it's there's you break it down two words: new and arc. <laughs> mm-hmm, and no I'm one. gonna say um, fifty-fifty because it's. It, I'm guessing it's a, a racially harmonious place. <laughs> well, it shows where my mind went uh, when you say all the pipes were getting replaced. I'm like, well, it must be a predominantly white. Oh, white area. <laughs> but for them to be poisoned in the first place, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty black. I was like, uh, Marianne Williamson was right. Uh, black, uh, 50%. White, 25%. Damn. 20%, 20% other. And most importantly, um, 1.75% Asian. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, so. I was I was somewhat close. Yeah. yeah we got the 50% right. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. All right, man. There that's you a, go. 
interesting <laughs> data point. Yeah, most of your big cities are going to be, which is interesting because like uh, your suburbs, I don't know, it's a whole thing with the, if you look up racism and the people move to the suburbs. Oh, okay. It's a whole thing. <laughs> All right, but we were trying to leave on, on good news, so that, and uh, we'll, we'll cut it off there. And that's the hot take news. For all of us here at News Center 4, I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. We'll be right back after this. Allegedly. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Junto Show. I am Johnny. I'm First Officer Bo. And Science Officer Lance. All right. Let's welcome everybody back to the Captain's Ready Room, the preferred place where the captain hold private discussions, and or receives classified communications. All right, let's talk about some classified stuff here today, guys. Ooh, classified. The topic I have in mind is something called the scarcity trap. Okay. You guys heard about this before? Mm, no. I, I, maybe. Maybe it's yeah. one of these things that I don't know the name mm. of it, but I'm familiar with the concept. All right, all right, so all right. we'll see as we get into it. So I heard it and learned uh, from it, uh, the NPR Hidden Brain podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, that's another. a good podcast. I listen to them on occasion. The The idea is, in this case, um, so the, the scarcity trap could be explained as a theory that, you know, when you're really desperate for something, you can focus on it so obsessively, there's no room to think about anything else, right? So if you're time-starved, all you can think about is juggling time. When you um, don't have much money, all you can constantly think about is making ends meet, mm-hmm. right? So... Even though you take certain actions and behave in a certain way that helps in the short term, whatever's on your mind right now that's consuming you, it could lead to long-term problems in the future. So the way I notice this sometimes is um, when there are folks who are making less money, not as well off, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to make ends meet, Mm -hmm. let's say they do encounter a little bit of extra money. It doesn't seem like maybe they save the bunny. Instead, they may be splurging it on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I like where you're going with this, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. So, so so maybe the scarcity trap is that mental understanding. Because I, I do kind of understand it too, which is my assumption was, hey, if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, I've got to live for the here and now. So if I have a little extra money, let me spend it on the here and now. That's my behavior pattern. That's that's my short-term thinking. I don't mean that negatively either. That's just a fact of life. I need to make this thing work today and survive. So let me go spend it. Right. So I do have a counterpoint to that yeah. type of thinking with specific to finances. Okay. But, you know, I, I do think the scarcity trap is a real thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't have something or, you know, you have a problem in your life, it does tend to kind of dominate, at least my thinking. <laughs> but I <laughs> just don't get what what the trap is though like what is the trap part of it so the uh, better example probably oh, oh god <laughs> sorry captain <laughs> fired a, to- a photon torpedo <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a Ferengi who cares about them so the uh, the episode actually had a pretty good example where it was inter- interviewing this lady uh, she's out of a job you know the debt's running up she has a kid or two or something like that and so she signs up for a credit card and so the credit card has a credit limit so i.e. maybe you can interpret that as like, hey, I've I've got extra spending money now. And she spends it on a whole bunch of stuff that she needs like right then and there, mm-hmm. right? But the long-term impact is, oh, now she smacks out her credit card and then she didn't realize she needed gas next week. She, you know, she was just thinking too short-term there. 
when she could have spread it out a little bit. Like she didn't need to buy all that stuff as soon as she got the credit card. She should have only bought exactly what she needed and then saved that credit limit so that she can then afford gas the next week. And then the week after that, something else to keep things going. Right. But because she spent everything right then and there, maxed out the credit limit. And therefore now she's again out of luck with. So, so was this like, is the scarcity trap a, a discussion about how messed up the system is that people are so poor or is it a was it no, being framed a, as a moral failing on people no not even if it, i'm not sure if it's a failing even it's just a understanding of where people come from right all so, right uh, it's interesting i don't know like mm, I, I i don't think i don't know what i'm getting out of this but uh proceed <laughs> <laughs> what well, so i think the greater context is why do people think short-term only sometimes? And why do some people think long-term as well? Right? I think, so I think that... I, I just wish there was a better example. I need one of your famous analogies, Johnny. Because <laughs> what I'm hearing, I'm, hard, I'm having a hard time seeing it as anything other than, like, why are people putting out the fi- their houses on fire? Why are they putting out the fire instead of investing in uh, flame-proof uh, walls? But it's like, well, your house is on fire right now. Like, put the fire out. You have to put the fire out. And then you can worry about long-term planning for future fire preventions after you have extinguished the current fire. And that's what I'm hearing. But I feel like that's not what I'm supposed to be hearing. (laughs) I I think that's a little bit of the essence of it. You're you're so focused on the short-term putting out the fire that if there's any um, unintended consequences from that, it's just not even on your radar. You can't fix the wiring because the house not, like I don't know, but like okay, but you have to put the fire out. <laughs> well, well, so um, I, I think I'm going to challenge your first analogy, right? Oh, is this analogy? The analogy was if you come into some money, you you know, instead of putting that money towards your future planning, you you spend it out in one lump sum, mm-hmm. and so there's another book that I've been reading. It's called Misbehaving and it's by, I uh, forget his first name, but it's like Richard Thalen and he's the guy, he's one of the founding people of behavioral economics, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the, the big sections, the big things he talks about is mental accounting. So what you do is you, you, you're going along and, and he says everybody does this and, and I kind of do this and, you know, and it, it kind of makes sense. And what you do is you say, I have this bucket of money, I have this bucket of money, I have this bucket of money, Right. And if I, if I have like, let's say my entertainment budget, right. Mm -hmm. And he did, he did uh, socioeconomic studies on this kind of stuff where let's say, uh, you know, you, uh, what is it called? Essentially, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the exact, the exact thing, but if people perceived that that bucket of money, uh, was used up, they wouldn't. Like if, if they perceive their bucket of money for going to see a movie or something was used up and then they got some extra money, um, they wouldn't go see a movie. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what would happen is like the, you coming into all this money, if you, it's not part of these buckets of money uh-huh. that you were, were going to spend. So it just goes to like leisure. But uh, Okay. So you know? the average person doesn't, doesn't use bucket doesn't um file their money away in categories like they should yeah, you, you mentally do it mm-hmm. right so you mentally say something like okay this week i'm gonna spend so much money on gas groceries some of that and if you and if that bucket of money you know hasn't been spent or you get a whole extra money 
you you put it into like leisure or something like that. Uh, I feel like I want to counter that one, Bo. Okay. okay. I don't think people in general budget. I think you do. A I think it's a fallacy. So uh, I don't have any studies on it, but the, the thing I've been seeing is that people have been saying that like a uh, poor people's problem is that they don't budget properly. And then I saw a social commentator, probably a PhD, whatever, I don't know, a social commentator push back saying that poor people budget the most because they have so little. And then they, every, when every penny counts, you really have to look at where it's going. And, and so like that is a fallacy that people say. So since we're all pushing back, I want to push back <laughs> on a thing from three points ago okay. where, um, <laughs> Uh, a thing that I see, and I don't, I don't know that you guys necessarily fell into it this time, but I, it bugs me so much I'm going to say it, that people uh, hate, on, especially in America, we hate on poor people who when they get a little extra money or whatever, they buy shoes or like a steak dinner instead of saving their money. And that is like a problem with the underclass in America. But I, in a book I read called, um, I think it was called Eviction. And it was like, a, you know, about how people keep getting evicted and it's a problem in America. They were saying, like, if a person who makes minimum wage saves and saves and saves um, and and doesn't have any splurging and, dis, and like, uh, just pays the bare minimum for everything and eats ramen noodles all year or whatever, they might save, like, an extra $500 at the end of a year or something like that. It, but your quality of life has been so bad that entire time that it's barely any type of enjoyable existence to do so and then at the same time if you do save that money up then some unexpected expense will probably just pop up and then it's gone and then all that hard work just went away for nothing so like if it makes you feel gives you a little bit of enjoyment in life to do something to 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 treat yourself in in that one time then like it's a reasonable choice i'm butchering it's a reasonable choice to make because like i don't know you'll be miserable otherwise (laughs) and it doesn't make a difference either way so Crap, I'm pushing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we're pushing this whole segment. Right. No, I think this is great. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's an interesting discussion. So right. always times we can always reclaim the conversation. So with that one, Lance. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm a low-income person, mm-hmm. barely making ends meet. I'm, I'm making like every paycheck just enough to satisfy the bills that are due, right? And let's say I get a tax refund this year, 2000 bucks. Is it okay for me to spend that two thousand bucks on a Disney vacation, or should I save that two thousand bucks for a rainy day? Mm, that's up to you, and I, I don't I don't judge you either way. Now, if it, like so, if oh, it's judging in such a negative way of like that's what, I, but that that is what I perceive the most a lot of people in society doing. Is, is, they, is, they, they look is, at they look there, at a poor person in a bad neighborhood with nice shoes, and they say that person shouldn't be doing that. So I agree with you, Lance, on that one. So again, judgment has a negative term. Is there a way to have this conversation and dissect this situation without the judgment in it? Yes. Is there a way to talk about this situation in a way that's like objectively, this is the more. Um, the, the, we're the, trying to end poverty. You're yeah, saying, I mean, right? no, right, I, I like, think Johnny Johnny thinks that there is a right answer, and the right answer is not to go to an objectively correct answer, and the correct answer is not to go to Disney World. I, I, I'm honestly inquiring. This I'm keeping. An open, I'm trying to keep an open mind. This one and try yeah. to say no judgment in this thing. Mm-hmm. What is a proper way? Does it just depend purely on what is your goal? The, is the, your the goal, goal to have an right. enjoyable life? Yeah. Exactly. What's the goal? So well, maybe yeah, if that's you, everything, right? If you, you, yeah, your money follows your priorities, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So maybe if you can give your child the best day of their life, I think that might be worth it. Yeah. Because you're going to struggle one way or the other. If you're if you're kind of looking in, you know, you're in a poverty situation, right? And to get out of that poverty situation, you need to invest so much money into, I guess, your future, your training or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, that $2,000 would go towards, you know, some kind of training. Assuming so, you so, had a reasonable... Uh, belief that you yeah. could get, escape said poverty. So yeah. l- let's make it a little more. Two thousand dollars probably ain't gonna do it, but maybe, maybe for it would people. go. Tor- I'm just saying it goes towards it, right? You put you're well, you're working towards a goal. So let's make it a little more individualistic. This person, me, don't have a kid, right? Don't yep. currently do not have a kid. I have five hundred bucks extra. It's been a rough year for me, um, and I just want to go to Disney. I think it'd be fun. It'd be a fun to go splurge in a super fancy restaurant that I never ever ever get to go to. And try out some good food. I spend the five hundred bucks, and then a month later, my car breaks down. I need five hundred bucks to fix it, and I'm like, "Man, this is horrible. Life sucks." Did I make the right decision? Um, well, no, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If you think you did, is it more? Okay, so if, here's a better, uh, similar question, right? So you go to Disney World. No, no, wait. So you get your five hundred bucks, and then you save it, and you get hit by a bus. And then you're in the, in the, in the hospital uh, about to die. And you think to yourself, man, I wish I had gone to Disney. Yeah. Sure. Or yeah. more likely, my car breaks down mm-hmm. and I need the 500 bucks to fix it. So the, uh, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to predispose the conversation at all. I, mm-hmm. One answer could be very much, no, we should have gone to Disney because life is hard. Enjoy life. I don't think it's the right. The answer is what you should do, what you, what you want to do. Because do, do, do I go to Disney and then take away my right to complain about it later on. Because no. I said, hey, I made a choice, a conscious decision to say I wanted to enjoy that day knowing that there could be a bad outcome later on in the future. You're going to sh- so, that, so therefore, I should not complain about it. A person on the margins like that is going to struggle no matter what. And like a one, one extra month of stability in the long term, I don't think it – you're going to always be struggling once you're – if you're – in that 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 level of, of income or whatever, so if you can find some joy, take it because so say you, you save the money whatever. So like it'll be so I think the, the the mindset of that person is like, okay, if it's not my car breaking down, it'll be somebody needs to borrow some money. Like that money's going to evaporate one way or the other. It's never just going to sit there for like a rainy day. It's going to evaporate. So maybe I can evaporate it and then actually enjoy my life a little bit, or I can just let it sit and then take care of a thing and then just be struggling. Like I'm struggling in, in, in two months. I'm struggling either way. It's how it works. I, I'm not statistics show that you are correct. I think Lance, All right? Statistics show that once you fall probably in the poverty that you're going to be stuck there unless the institution or you've been there the whole time or you, or you've been there. Right. So outside of your control to a degree, the institution needs to change in order for you to come out of it. Right. But now I'm talking from a very personal perspective. You know, my parents came here with nothing, raised four kids, and now we're pretty well off. So there are ways to climb out of poverty. Mm-hmm. It just takes long, extended periods of sacrifice, essentially. Well, it's, it's see, not. It's no. In in this one specific example, any individual right. person can do it. But so when you isn't, talk, that, isn't that the lesson there then? No, no, that's not the lesson. It, that, it, any individual person can do it, but when you start talking about populations of tens of millions of people, which is the current population of the, the impoverished in America, it doesn't become a personal failing 
on the part of tens of millions of people. It is a systematic problem yeah. once it affects that that many people. And, and I, I think we already acknowledged that the problem of poverty will not be solved by all individualistic actions. And it requires the government or the institution to change its way to help. I think we but do you can think- concede that point. But is there not also now, not talking about the brakes, but talking about the tires, it's kind of like saying, hey, isn't there also individualistic responsibility to, yeah, any- to not splurge and lift myself up over time? I don't think everybody who's... I don't think the 10 million people in poverty, I think it's kind of like a, a cyclic thing, right? So, like, if you're... In, all the people that are in poverty 10 years ago, there may be 10 million of them, but a portion of that people, the people got out of poverty, right? I, I don't think so. America actually, among all the nations in the world, has one of the lowest possibilities of working your way out of poverty. Like, the number one determinant of your socioeconomic status in America is the yeah. socioeconomic status you were born into. The uh, A caste system. Yeah, basically, and we just don't talk about it. If you're born in poverty in America, yeah. you stay in poverty yeah, so I think more than other countries. So I think that's a very interesting conversation to have, which is not the one we're having in the captain's ready room. From a macro perspective, yes, there's an institutional change that requires. I'm talking about a little bit more about the individualistic person now. Well, yeah. Do, do we talk to an individual that is in the poverty uh, segment and say, hey, don't change your ways. Just you know, wait till the institution changes or fight for the institution and change. But don't change your ways. Or do we give the advice to the individual person? Hey, you should probably... Um, Find ways to lift yourself out of the system. Lift yourself up. And my advice to anybody is to do what's best for you and your family. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with There's a, with there's a responsibility actually. there, right? <laughs> there's a responsibility yeah. the individual takes. It's, yeah, sure. Everybody has the responsibility to do what's best for them and their family. Okay. Or the world. But <laughs> <laughs> You didn't want to stop there. <laughs> you didn't want to stop there. Did but you? I think in, in practice, it'll be do what's best for you and your family. Yeah. So maybe this may be a tangent and hopefully i don't get into a deeper yeah. conversation with this do you think that hopefully i don't get into a deep conversation yeah, yeah that's all, right. all we do man <laughs> okay do you think that do you think that poverty is something that can't be eliminated i think it can be eliminated if you try to and america does not try to okay it does not want to so what do you think johnny think poverty would can't be eliminated or can't? no no i think i don't it, know about I, eliminated yeah reduced greatly okay Sure, I think it'd be a limited slash reduced greatly for sure. Okay, but I think me and Lance would probably differ on if there's a sliding scale between one end of the spectrum being it's entirely and totally and only up to the institution to do it, or the other end of the spectrum, which is it's totally entirely up to the individual to do it, and and therefore the institution has no responsibility to lift you, help you lift out of the system. I think where me and Lance falls on the spectrum would be different. There's just no mechanism by which the average, like a minimum wage person, or excuse me, I don't say no mechanism, but vanishingly few and very difficult mechanisms by which a, a minimum wage person can get out of poverty. Like you can't, you don't make enough money to afford school, let alone if you have to like, and if you're one of these people, you are probably surrounded by other people like that. So you're pooling your resources that are barely making it. And if any one of your friends falls behind, then you're supporting them. And if any one of your relatives falls behind or you're, God forbid, somebody gets sick, like you're always on that hamster wheel and you could never save up enough in order to 
you, you, you can't you can't get a house. You're paying exorbitant rent. Rents are going through the roof. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I, this is not meant to drive and point out the fact that there's a huge gap between where we are at, Lance, me and you, right? I think the the the, the spectrum difference between me and you is not that far apart. Mm-hmm. Mm. But for every story you tell, <laughs> for every story you tell like that, I could probably count another story that, hey, here's an immigrant that came over with absolutely nothing. That's the problem. Though. And now they've been raised up. The problem, the problem isn't it's not an individual thing. Again, when you're talking about population, yes, any any spec any um, exceptional person can make it. Any exceptional person, can, but but you shouldn't have to be exceptional to make it work. I don't, I don't understand the why you have to add the word exceptional there. And I would say any person can do it. Nah, no, because you, there are people. Not everybody has the intelligence to be uh, to go to college. Not everybody has um, the physical ability. Not everybody has you know, a position where they can dedicate time to schooling because they have to take care of their family, their, their ailing parents, a, a sick person, or God forbid they got led in their way. Like there's a lot of different things that account for a person's capability or excess time to better themselves. So you can't say, Oh, like go to school and make it like, no, not everybody is going to go to school, nor should we have a system where the only people that can make it work are people that go to school or do whatever. It should be a system whereby even an average person can survive. And we have failed to do that as in the last decades of America. Yeah, I, I agree at a macro level. Agreed. Uh, I think I agree with both of you guys. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I think both of you guys are hundred yeah. percent right. Yeah. You know, no one's, it, what is the know. disagreement? I actually don't know what the disagreement well, is per se. What is the disagreement? Here? Well, so, I, so first think, officer, help I feel, like, us there, out I feel like there is one. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, uh, I, I wonder if you guys, maybe you're talking past each other. So, you know, That's I think true. I am talking behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I think what uh, uh, what Lance is saying is is very true that you can scrimp and save as much as you want, but there, um, you know, one bump in the road can be devastating and put you behind the eight ball for a very long time. And I think Johnny's also exactly right that you know the whole, if you are going to get. Uh, and if you're going to improve your station in life, it's not going to be on anyone else. It's going to be on you. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. I do agree with that. And so, you know, I think that in a sense, y'all are both right. Like you have a person that's, you know, um, let's say everybody in the America is trying to improve their station. And so that uh, I think someone born with less resources and uh, surrounded by a lot of people with less resources, if they, you know, have a sick family member and stuff like that, it makes it so that they basically are stuck in their socioeconomic uh, place for much longer, even though they have the best of intentions, even though they have the the best yeah. of uh, uh, of meaning, and even though they try as hard as they can. So wow. I think it's kind of you know, I think it's uh, coming about it from from two different ways. Um, but I think y'all are. But I agree with both you guys. Well stated, Bo. Hopefully. Man, you are ready for your own captainship. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm putting the recommendation to the admiral. Okay, first chance the new starship's available. Hopefully, they got cookies. <laughs> Talk about cookies in the background. I got the cookies. I don't know. I've been in the cookies lately. That's my dessert choice: cookies and milk. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, hope you uh, enjoyed and uh, followed that uh, captain's red room discussion. And uh, up next, pop culture. 
Transfer of data is complete. Welcome back to the Hunter Show, guys. And now we are here for our world famous pop culture segment. Can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. So we get to hear from Lance. Whoop. And we get to hear from Johnny and all his Netflix adventures. <laughs> <laughs> so which one of you guys wants to regale us with your. Okay, so I think I will take the helm here, and I will say I finished up Cannon Busters, the black anime on Netflix, and uh, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'll give it a 7 out of 10, all right? So it's not the best anime that I've seen, but it was uh, ambitious. I love I loved the way all the characters look. The characters are super cool. Like, I want screenshots. I want toys. And... um. The story was good, and hopefully they get a second season. So, Cannon Busters, uh, watch the first one if you like it. Go uh, from there. On Netflix, right? On Netflix, yeah. Got it. Cool. All right. All right. Johnny? Um, well, surprisingly, my uh, uh, pop culture consumption for this past uh, week or two has not been from Netflix, my friends. Oh, it's the second week in a row, if I'm uh, not mistaken. I know, Time man. to sell that Netflix stock. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really is. <laughs> or like it's past time. Yeah. So I consumed a few movies. So first one I'll talk about is The Mule, starring uh, Clint Eastwood as a character named Earl Stone, a man in his 80s who is broke, alone, and facing foreclosure. He signs on to be a drug courier for the Mexican cartel. And even though his money problems are uh, getting solved, Earl's past mistakes are starting to weigh heavily on him. It's a ballsy drug lord that's like, hey, 80-year-old white man. Yeah, you would, well, <laughs> the idea being, okay. you would never get pulled over, so yeah. you're the perfect courier to haul my drug. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. So, I actually, I, I scrolled past this movie, and I was like, oh, I wish I knew why? why. I just I saw did. it, and I was like, well, if I, if, I, if I knew it was good, then I would watch it, but I don't know, and I don't like Clint Eastwood enough to just, like, go into his movie without knowing it was good. So, so you go, go determine ahead. if I watch this movie or not with your next statement. Well, here we go. Okay, this is it right here, then. What do you think of Clint Eastwood's political opinion? I know for a fact that he's a crazy right-wing old man Fox News viewer. I will say he can tell a good story, though. <laughs> to an empty chair with Obama. It's <laughs> supposed to be Obama. So, so trust it or not, I read up on his political views on Wiki. After you saw this movie? After I saw this movie. Oh, okay, I, I can't wait. <laughs> right. So I, I read it up on Wiki, and surprisingly, he... Either is smart and toes the line, but he uh, no. self-proclaims <laughs> to be a libertarian. So therefore, his policies are majorly driven by less government involvement, and he's actually, uh, as described on the wiki site, very um, what's the word here? Uh, left leaning, no, I no, guess. He's not, oh, no, let me false. finish. Let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. Left leaning on social issues. So he'll. He's like, hey, oh. if uh, gays should be allowed to marry too, why not? Um, that's very, been, that's libertarian, right? That's propaganda. Is what that is. He's uh, uh stated a couple of times that he's pro-choice as well. But yeah, but you're right. The only thing I remember him from is a 2012 mm-hmm. uh, addressing the Republican <laughs> National Convention to an empty chair, pretending that was Obama. Yeah. And from that one nugget, I assumed he is a far right-leaning person, and therefore I had a little bit of a hard time watching the movie. But after reading the wiki, I now I feel like. I may have judged him a little too harshly. So was he that. was he like hating on Mexicans the whole movie? Yeah. W- was the movie good? <laughs> 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 this is the more important. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. the movie's fine. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I want to run out and see it. It, it was free streaming <laughs> on HBO, which I paid for already. So are there yeah, any, any other actors in it with that we know? Bradley Cooper. Oh, I like Bradley Cooper. Oh. So yeah. is he racist now too? 
Bradley Cooper? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So so wait, so like were the politics in the movie problematic? Like would a snowflake be offended by the yeah. the movie? Is that what I'm getting? You know it'd be it'd been really funny if there were like and there was like in the movie there were like there's like a black gang but it was a bunch of empty chairs. <laughs> 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 what is that? I can't hear you. <laughs> So I would say do not run out and watch that. But if you're bored, give it a try um, and see if it offends you or not. Okay. Are you purposely avoiding? (laughs) (laughs) If you are, I'll cut this out. (laughs) No, 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 I'm not. Like, I don't think I consider myself a uh, uh, whatever a liberal snowflake or or, you know snowflake specifically. Not not like you, me, or a regular person. Would a snowflake be offended? Because I'm not a snowflake, I wasn't offended. But there were a scene or two that like, huh. But that was the context that I thought he was super uh, right. Okay. Okay. Right. So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm assuming he's super right. Therefore, the scene is like, eh. but afterwards, I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, I know where that. I need a wall to keep me out. <laughs> My uh, duty to our uh, our <laughs> listeners here is that he said listeners <laughs> <laughs> is the movie Serenity, not the one. Um, that's a uh, based off of the TV show Firefly. Oh, okay. No, no, no. This is Serenity starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Diane Lane, Jason Clark. This is the movie that bombed at the box office. I, must have, I don't even know. Like, is this from the last two years? This year, 2019. Oh, wow, yeah. It must yeah. have bombed. I haven't even heard of it. <laughs> a fishing boat captain, Matthew McConaughey, juggles facing his mysterious past and finding himself ensnared in a reality where nothing is what it seems. You said Matthew Broderick was in this? Matthew McConaughey. Oh. Yeah. Did you hear Broderick? No, but <laughs> a reality where nothing it seems. This is like a surreal tale or something? It's a surreal tale, man. I might watch this. Yeah. Well, he just said mm-hmm. it's bad. Oh, he said he bombed. It bombed. So not it bombed and it's bad. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's bad. But, Bo, this might be the place where we our movie uh, mojo doesn't match up, so you might enjoy this one here. Oh. So. Well, tell him, Woody. He, he will enjoy it more than me. He would enjoy more than me. Will it be enough to replace your top movie of Assassin's Creed? I'm not so sure. All right, so hear me out. You said Matthew McConaughey. I heard Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick made me think of Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox's middle name is? J. Andrew. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Michael A. Fox was a name that was already taken by the the SAG committee or whatever, so he just used the name J. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) All right, uh, and the last thing I'll talk about is a movie I rewatched called A Simple Favor. Yeah, to cleanse your palate after watching those two trash yeah, movies. Bad, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of A Simple Favor. Bo, have you heard of A Simple Favor? Uh, I'm guessing it was a pretty complex storyline. <laughs> <laughs> well, some kind of <laughs> bastard who doesn't do things for people. Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Someone got yeah, so this sugar? is so, okay. <laughs> so this is the movie you should make some time for watching. Yeah, Simple Favor. So highly recommend this one. This one stars uh, Blake Lively, which looks fantastic in anything she wears. And uh, Anna Kendrick, I like her exactly. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember this movie. There yeah. was some type of a uh, what? Well, uh, type of astronauts, if you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff going here, which makes it so intriguing. So the story is: uh, Stephanie, uh, played by Anna Kendrick, is a single mother with a parenting vlog, who befriends Emily Blake Lively, a secretive upper class woman who has a child at the same elementary school. Um, when Emily goes missing, Stephanie takes it upon herself. To investigate so the category for this movie is comedy thriller oh i like those 
which is not oh. a thing I see very often. So I had a hard time bucketizing, categorizing this movie. But when I saw comedy through, I was like, yep, yep, that makes sense. And uh, and therefore, I would highly recommend it if you're looking for something with, yeah, with that, that, that quirky, uh, you know, mood you're in where you're like, I want to yeah. laugh, but I also want to be kept on the edge of my seat a little bit. So Okay. When it's I like see. Gone Girl, but it's funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I'll take that. A comedy thriller is probably one of my favorite genres because it's like, uh, oh man, that guy died. <laughs> <laughs> what a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Bo, I guess, Bo, yeah, you're up now. Uh, yeah, so, um, haven't really watched too much uh, um, anything good. I did pick up the book Sapiens oh, hey. after y'all's recommendation, and I think I'm about like six hours into it. Holy cow, Bo. Yeah. You passed Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> It's a, it's a, I'd say it's a pretty solid book, although it's, you know, some of the stuff I read, I'm like, eh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm yeah. not 100% sure I, I really agree with that. But Oh, yeah, um, you don't agree with it or you don't think it's true? I, I, I would say that's a stretch to, you'd have to, I'd have to read some yeah. peer-reviewed papers. Yeah, I think he starts making some ext- extrapolations that yeah. becomes much more subjective and therefore you're like, mm, I wouldn't extrapolate into that. Right, that uh, end result there. So, yeah. Hey, as those things so, pop up, there is send a, them to me, and I mean, um, we talk about them. Okay, right. so there is a section I don't know if All you've gotten to it that, um, as far as uh, may, um, uh, I don't know if it pique your interest, Lance, but, uh, and I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go into it. Right. So, what they're talking about is, uh, he talks about, um, uh. As sapiens went out through the world, right? What they did was they merged with different, uh, different uh, human species, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. essentially. And the, uh, your other homos, your, yeah, yeah, your other homos, erecti, and, and so all the all the Europeans uh, uh, are like a small percentage merged with uh, Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. All the ones in Asia did Homo erectus. All the ones in Australia did Homo dionysus or something like that. The and drugs. Then, yeah, <laughs> I think it's or diogen and And then uh, the ones in, um, I guess, Africa were just regular old Homo sapiens. And so he was, and the, like the whole entire this like this part of this discussion about like, uh, you know, the the different uh, I guess races around the world being. Uh, so, uh, have sorry, you gotten to that point? It sounds early on. So are you trying to say, Lance? I mean, Bo, that. Uh, it's a uh, well. That's what the section this book talks about. Okay, maybe I've gotten to this yeah. soon, but it gets controversial if we start talking yeah. about how the genetics in us, which is proven that yep. some of us are five, six percent Neanderthal in origin, maybe that does lead to different cognitive um, abilities, different, you know, performance abilities, different actual distinct differences in how us today Homo sapiens are, because we're not all. 100% Homo sapiens. Some of us are more percentage Homo erectus, more percentage Homo neanderthal, and because of that, yeah, and there are like, you didn't even get to this point. And, You're like, and there I are, there, I was like, what is the guy talking? And about? there are distinct differences between those different Homo species. He, so he's they, saying this in the book. Yeah, oh, I'm just glance over that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but th- he mentioned it very briefly in the very beginning. Maybe dives into it a little deeper. It's, as it's I, not, so as so I read into it. So he ba- okay, is both so, further in this book than you. Are you more than six hours in? No, I'm not. All right, so the the. The, the what he does he he basically just says that uh uh what happens is you know that there was some merging but it was a very small percentage of the human population five percent five percent that's account for something yeah so i mean it's billions of people mm-hmm. as, as it keeps going down the line yeah 
So sapiens, it's not one out of 20 of your yeah. percent makeup is might be um, predisposed to being taller, to being predisposed to having a, I don't know, larger cranium. You know, so there are significant, 5% makes a big difference, I yeah. think. Yeah. I do like case, though. It's weird. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just throw it out there that uh, I don't uh, believe in any of that. Obviously. <laughs> no, obviously. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, but when I read it, when I read it, it is scientifically I was like, proven. I was like, I was like, I think did Lance read this? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, no, so it's not even worth talking about. But like, I don't think, I think if you were to measure 20,000 year ago man versus 20,000 year ago man, there would be some noticeable differences, I'm sure. And like the, the offspring of the first Homo erectus and Homo sapien mm-hmm. would be different than the first uh, Homo diagenesis and Homo sapien. Yeah, yeah th- there are differences there. 20,000 years down the line, though, I think that... 70,000 now. Yeah, whatever it is. But for the past yeah. five, 10,000 years, it, it, things have leveled off. No. Worldwide. No. Well, that's um, a controversial statement. Well, f- scientific fact shows, let's say Bo has 5% Neanderthal on him. Mm. <laughs> and let's say I have 5% uh, Erectus mm-hmm. in me. That's a fact. There's a 5%, 10% different now, maybe, if that's how math works, <laughs> between me and Bo. So yes, there's, there's that, a that is true, there. but that doesn't, and I, I contend that 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 five percent difference between you and Bo yeah. in 2019 does not have an appreciable uh, effect on your cognitive ability. Well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's probably I'd I, say it's it was just that that section of the book we read, and I was like, did Lance okay. read this? <laughs> <laughs> this right. is like I can't even believe I'm reading this. I, I think I 100 okay. percent disagree with Lance on that one. I, I think know. a five percent difference in our genetic makeup could yield big differences. And how we behave and how we perform. Yeah, so okay, keep uh, keep it moving. <laughs> that's, a, that's a there's a long history of uh, complications uh, along yeah. with that line of thinking that I don't think you necessarily want to be associated. Nope, with. nope. <laughs> definitely, not, definitely not. Well, I just didn't know if you got to that point in the book. Man, I read the book so long ago. So I wonder. Right. I'm gonna. I'm going actually going back to my old tweets to see if I said anything about. It. Okay. <laughs> okay, so and that's and that's pretty much the what I uh, what I've been doing. Okay, but uh, Johnny, are you reading any more books right now out of curiosity? Dude, one at a time here, man. <laughs> one at a time. All right. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I'm keeping up with the uh, the X-Men storyline, of course. Yep. Okay. So I just finished the book American Carnage by reporter Tim Alberta. It was it made big news about a couple months ago. It was like, um, you know, the latest book about uh, how crazy things are in the era of Trump. And I've read all the books. And I think this one was one all of the, the Trump era books by reporters or whatever. And this is one of the better ones. So it, um, the tagline for this book or the subtitle is uh, The Republican Civil War in the Age of Trump, something like that. And he basically goes from like uh, a couple years before the election to a couple years after and details the the way the Republican Party was like under um, Obama and then how the Republican Party was during the election and then how it uh, Trump basically did a hostile takeover. And then like, he talked about all the different campaigns and all that good stuff like that. And uh, it was so wild to like just hear it all re- like rehashed back in your mind because like you lived it all but then some of the behind the scenes stuff was crazy and then just like remembering all the things that happened was crazy it was well reported well written and like if you wanted a book to help you understand american politics right now i think this is one of the ones i would recommend highest yeah uh, aside from that johnny i read that um you gave you let me borrow a comic book uh the one with what was the big book you gave me the Batman ones. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was like Batman and he, um, like, The Last Night or something. Like something like that. 
What was it? It was like a Batman story where like Batman is in Arkham, but then they convince him that he was never Batman. And he uh, is just like, he's Bruce Wayne, but he went crazy 15 years ago instead of becoming Batman 15 years ago. And oh, he's this? Been, and his Batman, his yeah. whole time as Batman has been a delusion. That reminds me of a really good Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good concept. Yeah. It's just like weirdly executed. And I, it's, it's like I... It's like I missed three pages of it where it made sense, and I was like, okay, it just jumped <laughs> from one point to another. My, my bad. I think you're actually close. It's last night on Earth. Okay, it's bad. But night is like K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, and you like that one a lot, huh? I didn't say I liked it a lot. I oh. thought it was interesting. Oh, it's an interesting yeah. concept, but poorly executed. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> well, it's not even finished yet, so we're, we're uh, book two in, and I think there's going to be a third book that hopefully wraps it up, I think. Okay. And so. uh, the last thing I've got is... There's been so much news coming out of Disney Plus and like the Marvel Disney series that are coming. I don't know how much of this you guys saw. So it's weird because I feel like a month ago, Disney talked about all their new stuff. Maybe that was at Comic-Con. And then there was like the Disney conference that popped up like last week. And they said they were going to have a She-Hulk TV show. She-Hulk is actually low-key one of my favorite characters. Hmm. So I'm super excited about that. I hope they make it racially ambiguous. Is it? I mean, like... From what I remember of the She-Hulk stuff, it was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't like, yeah, like, good, yeah. What do you, what, what, weird how? I, I just remember being like, the Hulk was in love with the She-Hulk, right? No, they're like cousins. Yeah, but that was the weird thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> it's like uh, they're Targaryens. They're rage, rage Targaryens. Rage Targaryens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're going to do a live-action She-Hulk show, a live-action Ms. Marvel, who is the, I think she's a... Um, Ooh, I'm gonna get it all wrong. She's a Muslim teenager who has um, superhuman abilities. I'm super excited about that. I love her comics. It's one of the few comic series I read, 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 and a um, well, a, a bunch of shows, but the ones that were just recently announced were She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, and the most exciting one for me, Moon Knight. You like Moon Knight? Yeah, I love Moon Knight. You read the Moon Knight comics? I did back in the day. I, I care. Oh. Like I'm excited because of the comic book thing, but I have no affinity for Moon Knight whatsoever. But Not he's really? Marvel's Batman, basically, right? But like with mystical powers. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kinda. not sure if he's as billed as that badass, but yeah, but Batman yeah, beats good. him in a fight. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited. I mean, I watch it. So the thing I was thinking, like, as the Netflix Marvel shows, do we want to see them get transferred over to nope. Disney Plus? Nope. I think and I loved all of the Netflix shows, but I think mm. that they more or less ended, and I'm okay, okay, okay with where they ended. Yeah. I think that those uh, Netflix Marvel shows. Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones started off strong, but to me, they're all kind of petered off. I, I, I really lost track of them, and just, you know, my personal opinion of not um, stoking enough interest in me, just, yeah. I'd be think, cool with the movie. Do you think we're going to move on to the next uh, zeitgeist in movies? Like, we're in the, I don't know if we're at the tail end of the uh, superhero no, no, not at all. Okay. This kind of look thing like, is yeah. lasting for another decade, man. The way okay. they're in putting stuff out. Yeah. Now, so I will say, I think if there's a risk, they're at risk of oversaturating the market. I've heard that thing like five, ten years ago, man, and we're still consuming a billion dollars at a time. So but yeah, no. but there's a difference between like five movies a year and then like this whole channel where it's all superhero stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, and then DC I mean, like, is putting out their whole own channel of all superhero stuff. Yeah. Like, I think it's getting to a point where it's like, I, as a fan of superhero stuff, there is too much for me to watch. And all I'm saying is I've heard that repeatedly over the years, and they keep pumping out more, and we still keep consuming it all. So I don't think there is an end in sight. I don't, I'm not sure if there is a, a, such a thing as uh, too much. 
Yeah. At the very least, I think they've got another five, at least five years easily. I, I don't know what the next thing was. There's nothing on the horizon. Like, so it was like witches for a while, then vampires, <laughs> and then superheroes <laughs> took over from vampires, right? Yeah. Zombies, right? There were zombies? Yeah, there were zombies. For, I guess so, so superheroes took over from zombies? Is that what it was? Yeah, they both they coexist of, peacefully. They kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as they should. I was speaking of Blade. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. But well, it's not, not really peaceful. <laughs> but also the D23 was the uh, trailer for the Star Wars uh, series, The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. trailer is fantastic, by the way. That really got me excited for the whole Star Wars vibe. I and mean, I'm not even that big of a Star Wars kind of guy, but high production quality reminds me of like a Star Wars version of the latest Star Trek series, which is high production quality. Oh, okay. Hopefully, a good storyline. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I didn't see the actual trailer, but I did see that there was like a a very diverse cast on it, and I was like, "That's all I want. That's all I need." <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm there. All right, you guys, good. Yep. All right, so thanks everybody for listening to another action packed episode of the Junto Show. We really appreciate you, our listeners, for tuning in. Uh, you can show us that appreciation that you have for us by leaving us a five-star reviews in the Apple Podcast app. You can just uh, click on it right there. You're probably already listening. Five stars for your boy. Appreciate it. Also, uh, leave us a review. You can also hit us up on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Junto Show. Yeah, and just leave us a little something. Actually, so yeah, so if you donate to the Patreon, you get access to special bonus episodes of the show that we produce all the time when we are recording these. So in today's bonus episode, if you subscribe, you'll get access to us talking about, man, what was that topic we talked about? Super exciting stuff. It was good, man. Yeah, we got... It was about craziness. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, increasingly unhinged nature of the political leaders in the country and also it kind of veered off into a more uh, pointed discussion about a topic that you guys will have to tune in to find out about. But it was good. All right. So until next time, uh, thanks for listening. Hey, to the- hey uh, r- real quick. I'm reading our reviews like I normally do oh, to uh, boost my ego a little bit. Okay. The latest one is uh, dated August 14th. Hey, that's, that's pretty recent. And the comment is, Met Lance. It was a great experience. Hey, who's that from? Um, Jared J1 or PM19, one of the two. Uh, no, PM19 is Podcast Movement 19, the, the oh, conference. Okay. So, Jared, appreciate you listening, man. Good to hear from you. Whoop, whoop. And you, too, can get a shout-out on the show for the low, low price of five, five stars. That's <laughs> 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 good meeting you, too. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, until next time, thanks for listening to The Junto Show. I'm Lance. I'm Johnny. And I'm Bo. We'll see you next time. Bye.